Hey, you're listening to City Lift Church's podcast. We hope today's message fuels you with courage for your journey. Here's today's message. What Jesus teaches us through Scripture, I think the Bible has so much to say about just prudent money management. So we're going to talk a little bit about practical things that you can do with your wealth. Anybody in the room, has anybody ever driven a Ferrari? Or does anybody own a Ferrari? Okay, nobody owns one. Anybody driven one or ridden in one? You're saying yes, you've driven in one. Drove it? You rode in it? So how was the experience when you did that? Did you enjoy the car? It was fun? Yeah, really fast, right? So I had never driven one. And in October of 2014, I was with a financial planning firm, and we were doing a study group up in Chicago. So there was a group of about 16 professionals at a hotel in Chicago, and in the mornings we would talk about our businesses and how to make our businesses better, and in the evening we did a a dinner together. So uh, somebody in the group rented out a private room at like a Capitol Grill, and we had a huge table and real nice steak dinner. I didn't pay for it, so I was just happy to be there. And um, the gentleman sitting across the table from me and my colleague, were, he was talking about um, his lifestyle in upstate New York where he's from. I'm originally from upstate New York, so I start paying attention. And he says to us, he says, um, hey, can I tell you the, the frustration of owning my Ferrari? And we look at him and I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, you're frustrated that you own a Ferrari? First off, before you start complaining about your Ferrari, can you, can you tell us some of the benefits of it and the, the things you enjoy about it? And he said, well, yeah, you know, it's, it's great. I, you know, it, it goes fast. It's kind of cool. You know, whenever you're at a stoplight, people kind of stare at you. And even if you're not a, an egotistical person, like, it's just kind of nice to be appreciated and be looked at. And he said, but here's the, here's the challenge. Is anybody in the, in the room, anybody from the Northeast or from the Midwest, you know, part of the world where uh, during the winter months, it's a little different than what we get to experience outside right now, Right. So he was saying, he's from Albany, New York, and he said, you know, six months out of the year in Albany, New York, I have to take this thing out of my garage and drive it. It actually becomes more of a burden to me because in upstate New York or in the Midwest, what do you have on the ground just about six months of the year? You got snow and then you have salt and dirt to make the roads drivable. So this gentleman, Alex, looked at me and my colleague and he said, I have an idea for you. Why don't I ship this thing down to to South Florida and you all can use it for like, let's say four or five months. So we're thinking, you're a jerk, man. Now you're just rubbing it in that you own this Ferrari. Um, and he's like, no, I'm, I'm actually serious. I won't give it to you for free. I want you to make the payments on it each month that you have it. Uh, payments are three grand a month. So he said, I'll make a deal with you. I'll pay half, you pay half. So I'll pay 1,500, you pay 1,500. Now again, at this point in my life, it wasn't my decision of if I'm going to pay for it. It was my, my boss at the time, who I was partners with. So he had to make the decision, do I come up with $1,500 a month for four months to have a Ferrari for four months, so $6,000. And in a church setting, this is a little bit more challenging to say. In the business community that I speak to all the time, it, I say it like this. If, you, if you're encountered with the, the question of, do I come up with $6,000 to have a Ferrari for four months? I don't care who you are. The answer is yes. You figure out how to get six grand and get a Ferrari for four months. Right now, I know six grand can be used for things way more important than a, a meaningless Ferrari, okay? But we did it. So in November of 2014, this thing shows up in downtown Fort Lauderdale. That's the parking lot of the, the Sun Sentinel building on Broward Boulevard and US-1. So that's where I worked at the time. So this is the first time I ever drove a Ferrari. 
Now, um, that's the day it showed up at the office, and I'm in downtown Fort Lauderdale, so you really can't go too fast in downtown Fort Lauderdale. But my five-year wedding anniversary to Jennifer, who you saw, um, it was coming up in January. Our 10-year anniversary is this coming Friday, okay? So, yeah, isn't that awesome? So it's amazing, and she's the best. So I, I asked my boss, I said, hey, I'd really like to have this thing that weekend. Would it be cool if I use it that Friday through Sunday? And he just said, you put your name on the list. You can have the Ferrari for the weekend. So I had this thing for three days. Now, we live in Weston, and you all from South Florida, we all know uh, the Sawgrass Expressway, right? It connects to 595, and then it also connects to the Turnpike or to 95, right? So anybody that I talk to outside of South Florida, they don't understand this, but if you have the Sawgrass Expressway and the Turnpike in 595, that kind of makes like the Indianapolis 500. It's about 30 miles, and you got a Ferrari for a weekend. So um, this might be recorded. Don't put this part online, okay? Um, I, I was uh, illegal that weekend. I only got it up to about 120, um, but I wanted to test the thing out. I fell in love with this Ferrari. I'm not really a car person. I really don't put too much value in vehicles. But that weekend, I decided I wanted to buy a Ferrari. And this is going to tie in, I promise, to, to wealth management and how God can bless us. So um, the, the Ferrari that I wanted was a yellow Ferrari. You'll see it on this next slide. It's a 488 GTB. Um, the base price on this vehicle is about $250,000. That's a lot of money. I don't care who you are. I don't care how successful you are. 250 grand is a lot of money. That's a house for a lot of people. Um, but God's blessed us. I wanted to get, I wanted to get a Ferrari. So um, this is the one I wanted. I wanted a yellow one. Here's why I wanted a yellow one. When you're driving in all South Florida, school buses don't count and taxi cabs don't count. How often do you see yellow cars? So give me a little bit of feedback. How often? I see a couple of heads shaking. Not all that often, right? So, um, so I have a coach that I work with, a mental health professional. Um, he's just a personal development coach, and he's been one of the biggest blessings in my life. And I've worked with him for about eight years. And about seven, eight years ago, I was having uh, one of those really bad days, one of those days where I was overcome with frustration, anxiety, worry. Just I was seeing all the things in my life that I had that I was uh, dissatisfied with, and I was really negative. And we get on a call, and he and I have a call 30 minutes every two weeks. It's just a phone call. And the first question that John asks me is, Dave, uh, what's got your attention today that would be good for us to talk about? I said, John, uh, listen, right now, I'm, I'm a little ticked off. I'm kind of frustrated. There's just a lot of stuff going on that I, I just need to vent to somebody. Is it cool with you if I vent? And he said, sure. And um, so 29 minutes of this 30-minute call, I just went off. I kind of went off like a New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker. So I, I just went off. I was so frustrated. I just put it all out there. I was really pissed off. And um, at, the, at the end of the call, he said, hey, Dave, thanks so much for sharing. You know, do you feel a little bit better? Was it helpful to let that go? I said, yeah. And he said, I got a question for you. While you're driving in South Florida, taxi cabs don't count and school buses don't count. How often do you see yellow cars? And I said the same thing that you all said. Not all that often. I don't really see them all that often. So he gave me a homework assignment. Our next call was gonna be two weeks later. And he said, between now and our next call, as you're driving, and I drove from Weston to 95 all the way down to downtown Miami every day. My office was in Bayfront Park. So I'm in the car about two, two and a half hours every day. He said, in your drive, in your commute, every time you see a yellow car, out loud I want you to say yellow. Will you do it? So I said, sure, I'll do it. 
So the ride home that day, what do you think I saw? I saw a yellow car. So I said yellow. The ride in the next day, what do you think I see? I see like two or three of them. Then the ride home, it was three or four. Then it was five or six. I kid you not, it got to a point where I'm seeing eight, nine, ten of these every single commute. I saw three on the way into church this morning from Weston. I, I started seeing them all over the place. I couldn't stop seeing them. So we get on our, our coaching call two weeks later, and John says, hey, Dave, before we dive into whatever's got your attention, in our last call, um, I gave you a homework assignment. Did you do it? I said, John, you're my coach. You asked me to do something. I told you I would. Yeah, of course I did it. So he said, well, what did you experience? And I told him, I said, John, I'm seeing yellow cars all over the place. Two weeks ago, I, I barely saw them, but I am seeing eight, nine, ten of these every single commute. And he said, well, what did you learn from the experience? I said, what I learned is yellow cars exist. I always knew they existed, right? There's Hummers, there's Volkswagen Beetles, there's Camaros. I knew that they were out there. But there's all these black cars out there and white cars and silvers and grays and navies and reds. The normal cars that are out there that most of us probably drive one that's that color, right? Those ones we see all the time. And the yellows, even though they exist, they get lost in the backdrop. But when we start acknowledging the yellows, we start seeing them all over the place. And he said, all right, that's a pretty good lesson. How is that relevant to the conversation that we had when you were really ticked off, you're frustrated, life was challenging, and you weren't really seeing any of the things that you could be grateful for? I said, here's what I learned. In the midst of our lives, there, there are a lot of mental health things that we encounter. There's a lot of, of, of challenge. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of frustration. There's some financial hardships. There's all these things that are just normal things that come up in everyday life. And if we don't take time to acknowledge the blessings in our life, we can just start fixating on all the bad. So I said, you know, when I start acknowledging the things in my life that I have that I can be full of intentional gratitude for, then I start seeing the things that I can be grateful for all over the place. So I know this might be different than a normal Sunday morning. Um, the whole reason I'm holding this ball is twofold. Number one, I'm a diehard New York Mets fan. So it's, this is a Mets ball. Second reason is you only get to talk when you're holding this thing, but I want to have some fun with this. I'm just curious in this room, um, I'm going to toss it to you. You got to raise your hand. I'll toss it to you. Toss it back to me. I'll catch it. Try not to throw it down there because I don't want to jump, but I will if I have to. Um, so what, what's one thing? You'll see on this slide. What is one thing in this very moment that you are most full of intentional gratitude for? So who would go first? I'm going to toss it to you. And actually, don't toss it back to me. Just toss it to each other. Yeah, Katie. Your health, toss it around in the room. So what, what are you grateful for? Your family, keep going. What else? So health, family, come on. If, if nobody answers it, yeah, just toss it around. Your house, awesome. What, who else? All right. Your mom, love it. Who else? A few more. Three or four more people. What are you most grateful for? Your family, who else? Got it over there? That was a nice catch. Your son, love it. What else? Two more. What are you most grateful for? Living rent-free, that's a blessing right now. That's awesome. Man, I wish that would be the case for us, but can I come live with you maybe? What else? One more. Your family? All right, so just hold on to that ball for me, but you can't keep it because that's really my kid's ball. So um, now, think about this, right? We heard about health. First off, how did you feel as you're saying that? When you actually thought about what you're grateful for, made you feel good, right? The fact that you're living rent-free makes you feel good. The fact that we are healthy your son, your eyes light up a little bit when you talk about him, right? We, we think about these things. It's really special. 
Now, what I want to ask you is, were you in control of that being a part of your life? Like, Katie, are you in control that your health is good right now? Not really. God's in control of it, right? You can do things to stay healthy, but God's the one giving you the health. God's the one that blessed you with your son. God's the one that put you in the situation right now that you have the ability to live and not come out of pocket to have that roof over your head, right? So here's, the, here's when we talk about finances, I just want to share today three simple words of encouragement, not from me, but from the word of God, um, about finances and things that I believe God expects us to do so that he can bless us. And then I want to share a couple practical things related to actually where we do put our money and just give you some thoughts, okay? The first thing is, number one point is stewardship. You know, when you think of stewardship, the way stewardship is defined is that you manage well the things that are entrusted under your care. So there's a Bible passage. We can go to the, this next slide. There's a Bible passage in Matthew 25 um, that talks about, it's Jesus talking in this, in this story. And he, he, he's sharing a story. So we don't really know if this actually ever happened. It might just be an illustration that Jesus is using to, to make a point. But he talks about a man who was going to go away for a long period of time, um, and he was going to leave his, his community and his household. And he entrusted to three people, um, he entrusted his property to them. And it, it's, a, it's called the parable of the talents. Okay? The reason I put down the passage, this Matthew 25, 14 to 30, we're not going to be able to read through the entire thing today. We just don't have time. But for those of you that are taking notes, if you want to read through a, a great passage that talks about some really good principles with, with financial planning and stewardship, this is a great one. So here's how it goes down. This, uh, this guy who owns all of the property entrusts to three different stewards different portions of his property. And the Bible says that he gave to one of them five talents, and he gave to the other one two talents, and he gave to the other one talent, okay? And to the person, I'm sorry, the first person he gave, yeah, that's right, five talents, two talents, one talent. So the first person that he entrusted these talents to, we don't really know exactly what the value of these talents are because we don't know if the talent was, was gold, actual gold. We don't know if it was silver, right? But you, if, if, some people believe that each talent represented about a million dollars, okay? So to the person that he entrusted five talents to, let's just say that's $5 million. You have to really believe that somebody is going to be a good steward of $5 million if you give them $5 million. Even if it were $5,000, it doesn't matter. The person that was given five talents, let's say it's $5 million, what did he do with it? The Bible tells us immediately he went and he traded it and he invested it and he doubled the five talents. So the five talents turned into ten talents. The person that was given the two talents, the second individual, that person went and he invested it, and he turned the two talents into four talents. He doubled it. And the, the, the person that received one talent, he was afraid of the, of the master who gave him the talent. And he actually took this money, this wealth, and he buried it in the ground. He didn't do anything with it. And after a long period of time, the master comes back, the person that owned all of this property, he comes back and he gets a report from these three people. And the first person with the five talents said, I took it, I invested it, and I, I doubled it, and there's 10 talents. 
And the master looks at him and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little, so I'm going to entrust you with more. Great job, essentially. Great job investing that money. The second person who had the two talents and turned it into four, the master said, all right, well, what did you do with it? And he said, I took it, I invested it, I took the two, and now I have four. The master said the same thing. Well done. You've been faithful with little. I'll entrust you with much. And then the next person, the, the person that was given the one talent and buried it, the master said, well, where's yours? And he said, well, I was kind of afraid of what you were going to do, so I actually buried it, but here's your, here's your talent back. Here's your one million, but there's no interest. The master yelled at him. And he said, you're foolish, you're lazy, you're slothful. You didn't do what I expected you to do. You kind of wasted time. And he took the talent from that person and gave it to the person that had five talents and turned the five into the ten. So the person that started with five now has 11. And the master said, really well done. Here's the point. All of the money that we have, it doesn't matter if right now in your bank account you have one dollar or if you got $100,000, it doesn't matter. What matters is it's not yours. Everything that we have is from the Lord. He can give it and he can take it away. And he can entrust more to you so that you can be blessed and do more with more, or he can take it away from you if you're foolish with it. So just encouragement, be a good steward. A second point of encouragement, um, I, believe, I believe Jesus rewards generosity. Right, so when you think about generosity, um, and let's actually go to the, yeah, that next slide. This is another great passage that I would spend some time reading through. This is the passage that talks about the cheerful giver. Um, it, it talks about how Jesus does not want us to give money to anyone, to City Lift Church or to someone that might be in need out of a spirit of necessity or because we feel pressured to do it. That's not the heart that he looks for. But this passage talks about how you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Um, so that's, that's all I'm going to talk about on this point, but be a generous giver. Third point I want to give from Scripture, um, uh, obedience, right? So we're going to talk about obedience, but I do want to give you a couple practical ideas before we dive into that. So let's go to this next one. Um, yeah, perfect. So real practically, from a, from a money management standpoint, um, just a couple thoughts that I would have on this note. Debt reduction. Um, it's not wrong if you're currently in debt. That might just be a consequence of some poor decisions that you made in the past, whether it's credit card debt, mortgage, student loans, it doesn't matter. There's good debt, there's bad debt. But what I tell you is just one idea from a debt reduction standpoint, um, without being too personal, I just don't raise your hand, but in your heart, for those of you that have some credit card debt, um, and maybe you have multiple credit cards that you have this debt on, um, look to consolidate it, right? So my wife and I had a lot of credit card debt when we first got married about 10 years ago. And what we were able to do is go to a cred another credit card company. We couldn't pay off the debt immediately. We didn't have the cash. And we weren't going to borrow a loan from somebody. But you can, you can oftentimes go to credit card companies and you can do a, what's called a balance transfer. So you can take all your debt and you can transfer it over to a new credit card company and they typically do charge you a very small fee to do it, but when you do this, when you take it from, let's say, Visa and you bring it over to American Express, American Express gives you a much lower interest rate. And I'm not saying American Express always gives a lower interest rate, but if you bring it from one company to the other, they can lower your interest rate. It'll save you a lot of money in the long run. A lot of times, if your credit score is decent, they'll even give you a 0% interest for 15 months or for 21 months. 
So if you're currently paying interest on your credit card debt, really what that means is all the money that you're paying in your payment, you're not actually reducing the amount of money that you owe in your debt. You're actually paying a lot of interest, so that credit card company is becoming very profitable on you. Just look for ways to pay less interest. Emergency fund, probably one of the most practical things that you do. And this isn't out of fear, because we all want to have trust that God is sovereign. He's in control. Just because God's in control, it doesn't mean you're not going to lose your job tomorrow. Just because he's in control doesn't mean you're not going to get in a car accident on the way home because somebody fender bends you. So we need money set aside. God is in control, and he gives us a really good mind, and he tells us that we should set money aside and we should invest money. So you got to grow an emergency fund. A really good rule of thumb is think about what your bills are on a monthly basis and do your best to get like three to six times that just in the bank. Just have a savings account or a checking account. But if your bills are three grand a month, just get nine to $18,000 set aside. That might be really hard because maybe right now the only thing you can save every paycheck is like 25 bucks or 50 bucks. That's okay. Save 25 bucks, save 50 bucks, save as much as you can and grow what you have for emergencies. Not because you doubt that God's gonna provide and protect you, but because you're honoring God to do things that are smart with your money. Um, insurances and investments. I'm not going to tell you what to invest in or what insurances to get. I would tell you, though, you know, God, God in the story of the talents, he, he in that story is the master, right? It's, that's the picture that Jesus is painting. He, he, he would encourage that you invest, right, that you take and make your money grow. Um, there's a passage that we're going to talk about that talks about growing wealth little by little, Right? So whether you're investing in the stock market or whether you're investing in a savings account or a CD, I'm not too concerned with that. But also I'd look at some just basic insurances, right? So as an example, for me, one of the things that God has called me to do, the number one role that he's called me to do is to lead my family in their spiritual health. The second thing is to provide for them, right, for all their needs. One of those needs is financial. I fly around the country a lot. Like next week, I'll be in Atlanta, and then I'll be in Idaho. When I'm on a plane, there's no, there's no rule that says I'm not going to pass away because the plane might crash. If I passed away yesterday, who's going to provide for Jennifer, for Charlie, and for Chaz? So things like life insurance, things like disability insurance, health insurance. Make sure those things are in place. That way, if something bad happens, you've taken responsibility as a good steward of the resources God's given you. Don't be insurance poor, but a good idea to put some money into those programs. 401ks, uh, best advice I can give you on a 401k, that's the retirement program that you get through your company. If you work with a nonprofit, it's called a 403b. But, but here's the most simple advice I can give you. You know how the person that put, had five talents turned it into 10 by doubling it? Most companies, if they give you a 401k, they will match it. So they might say, if you put in 3% of your salary, they'll match 3%. If they're giving you a 100% return on the money that they're letting you put in, it would be very foolish of you not to at least put in what they match because it's free money on the table. Guaranteed at least, if you can, do that, at least to the match. That money that you put in the 401k, you're not really going to want to use it until you're retired. The government says retirement age is 59 and a half, so that's really, that money's earmarked for 59 and a half. If you need it beforehand, you can get it for a couple reasons, but you probably don't want to touch it until then. So that's long-term money. 
Another thing that's really awesome, and some of you might not be allowed to put into this because maybe you make too much money. Others of you, you can. Um, a Roth IRA is a great way to save for retirement. Um, each person in this room, every adult in this room, you can put $6,000 a year into a Roth IRA. If you're older than a certain age, you can even put in an extra 1000 But here's the great thing about a Roth IRA. When you put the money in, the same as a 401k, the money's going to grow. It'll get invested. And while it's getting invested, the government doesn't take taxes out of it. So the government allows you to put money in there and it's not going to get taxed. With a Roth IRA, they're never allowed to tax it ever again in the future. So it doesn't matter what tax rates are going to be in the future. You never pay taxes on it. And then uh, 529 plans, for those of you that are, have small children and maybe there's a little bit of desire on your heart to pay for their college education, um, 529 plan is the same as a 401k or a Roth, but the purpose is it's used for, for education funding. So when your kid goes to college, you can take money out of that without paying taxes on it, and you can use it for their college. So a couple quick things. I mean, I'll be around after the service. Also, you can feel free to ask. Uh, I mean, Katie's also my neighbor, but you could ask Pastor Alyssa or Pastor Matt. Like, they can give you my cell phone number. If ever you want to talk, I can give you more advice on that. I wouldn't charge you to do that, and I'm also not going to try to sell you anything because I can't. I just coach advisors, okay? Final, final encouragement from the Word of God. So let's, uh, we'll go to the next one. Here would be my belief. Um, one, of my, one of my core beliefs with money, regardless of what you put into, uh, Solomon in Proverbs says that wealth gained hastily will dwindle, um, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Um, I grew up in a home, uh, I'm the youngest of seven. My dad dropped out of high school uh, when he was about 15, 16 years old. He didn't get a high school, uh, like his GED, till he was probably 55 years old. He dropped out of high school because he needed to provide for his, his younger siblings because my grandfather was arrested for robbing liquor stores. So my grandpa was in prison from the time my dad was 10 till my dad was 18 years old. So my dad needed to help his mom, my grandmother, provide for, their, for his sisters, his three sisters and his brother. And um, my dad when he was working, made a ton of sacrifices just to provide for all of my family's needs. So I never went to bed hungry. I always had food on the table, but we didn't have all the nice stuff that maybe you'd want. We had all our needs met. We didn't have many of our wants. And one of the things my dad would say is, you know, the best advice I'd give you is just, even if it's only 25 bucks a week or 50 bucks a week or whatever you can, just set aside a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I didn't realize until the last few years, I mean, what he was telling me was scripture. Solomon, the, the wisest person on the planet, because God gave him that wisdom, said that when you grow little by little, right, whoever gathers little by little will increase it. I can't promise you what it'll increase to, but I can tell you just save little by little. It'd be one of the best things that you can do for your family and for yourself. Um, I also believe it'll honor God. So a final story with this, um, and we could have the worship team come up um, as, we're, as we're going through this. Um, anybody in the room heard of uh, a story of Jabez in the Old Testament? There's a book that was written called The Prayer of Jabez. So Jabez, what, what the name Jabez means, his, his mother gave him this name, and it, the name means I bore him in my pain. All right, so imagine that being your identity, right? Like you're with your mom, and your mom says, yeah, this is the one that like caused me a ton of pain. And that was kind of how everybody viewed you, right? Not the coolest way to have people think about you. And the Bible only talks about Jabez for about three or four verses. And he says, the Bible says, this is in 1 Chronicles 14, it talks about Jabez and it says that Jabez, um, Jabez prayed. And Jabez said, Father, that you would bless
bless me indeed and that you would enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you'd keep my feet from evil so I won't cause pain. And the first two parts of his prayer, this is a man who fears God and who loves God. And he's saying, Father, would you bless me? He wasn't being selfish with this request. He wasn't saying, bless me so that I can have and grow my wealth for me. He didn't say, bless me so I could increase my own personal standard of living. He said, bless me, bless me indeed. That word indeed is like putting 20 exclamation points and all bold and a bigger font size. God, bless me, enlarge my territory. He's literally saying, God, give me more stuff. And the heartbeat of his request is so that. If there were anything I would hashtag, it's so that. One of our greatest prayers in our family is, Father, would you bless us so that we can bless others, so that we can bless you, right? I didn't finish up the story about the Ferrari. I told you I wanted to buy one, right? I wanted a yellow one. I wanted the yellow one because it reminds me what I'm grateful for. Um, it's $250,000 to buy the thing brand new. You can't really buy a Ferrari brand new. In order to get a brand new Ferrari, you got to own a couple before you work into it. Um, a couple of years later, 2016, this Ferrari shows up at our doorstep. Yellow one, 488 GTB. I don't say it to impress you at all. I say it to impress upon you a point, okay? And I brought it with me. Y'all need to take a look at it at some point. I'm gonna come right back for one second. I just forgot something back here. The one that showed up on my doorstep uh, Amazon.com, you can get it. I think it's $17.98 um, plus $10 shipping, or if you don't do the shipping, it's $29, and same thing, right? It just feels better to not pay for shipping. This is the one that I don't actually have a Ferrari. I have an awesome Kia Optima hybrid out in the parking lot, though, that I love. It's got 80-something thousand miles on it, right? He doesn't bless you to increase your standard of living. He blesses you to increase your standard of giving. It's not, nothing wrong with having a Porsche, nothing wrong with having a Ferrari right? Here's the thing. Jabez asked, Father, would you bless us? Would you enlarge my territory? I believe one of the most, one of the most selfless things that God desires is to bring himself glory. And for us, it seems selfish, right? But he's God and we're not. So if I wanted all the praise, I would do everything I could to get all the praise for myself, and that would be selfish. But when God says, I want all the praise for me, he's being selfless. And the best thing that you can do is make bold requests in faith that only God could do. Earlier, the leaders were meeting, and they were, they were praying over you before you even set foot in here. And, and Will had said something. He, he, he said, let's pray for the people who may not even be in the room today, but the people who will be in this room in the next three months, in the next six months, in the next 18 months, because there will be people in here in faith believing because there's a ministry that can happen in their life because of City Lift Church here. Um, God's not offended when you ask him for big things. God's offended when you ask him for anything less. Give him the glory that he is worth, and he's worthy of more than you can even imagine. Thanks for listening to City Lift Church's podcast. Subscribe now to get new episodes each and every week. If you live in or are ever in the South Florida area, come visit us on Sundays at Northeast High School in Oakland Park.
You can also visit our website at citylift.church and keep updated with us on Instagram by following us at citylift.church.